welcome to the 25th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. But enough about Michael Hamilton. Today, we're just going to focus all what everybody's here to come for, the Roger Bodie story. <laughs> so it all started, started in 1990 when Roger was born. It was a fine spring day on May 15th, and Roger was born five minutes before midnight, which, fun fact means that he was born five minutes before his father's birthday of May 16th. Yada, yada, yada. 32 years later, here we are. Okay, and that's our podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good day. See you next time. (laughs) (laughs) But the serious... That wasn't a question of the week. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, well, uh, the question is, what about my life do you want to know then, Michael? Uh... Do you have any burning questions about me, about Roger Bodie? Here's your chance. I'll open I, anything. I have to ask a question of the week, huh? Yeah, you, you get to ask me one question. One. So the, your question, question is, what do you want to ask me? Oh, no. I got nothing. Okay. So what's our episode on today? <laughs> uh, you, actually. Michael Hamilton. So why don't we go and see to your journey on becoming the world champion of Flesh and Blood. You are now officially the best player in the whole world at Flesh and Blood. Whoa. Officially. Does, does winning the championship make you officially the best? I think it's... That's what your trophy says, right? It just says... If somebody was better than you, they would have won the world championship. <laughs> it just says world champion. Yeah. You're the champion of the world. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. So, uh, I guess I don't really know... I don't really know what to say, but I have a lot of stories. Do you set cool if i just tell stories yeah i'm here to listen to your stories cool well so i guess i said this in an interview but uh, about a month before worlds i stepped away from my job to focus on flesh and blood and most of my testing almost all my testing was with wolfpack guys Uh, i spent a lot of time in the mornings in our normal time and then sometimes on fridays and weekends i would have longer sessions with zach or other teammates and then uh, after our morning sessions that usually were scheduled from 7.30 to 9-ish, I would hang out and talk with uh, Andrew and other Michael for sometimes several hours after the morning session was supposed to end. But it was very helpful, I guess. And then did a bunch of preparation and then finally flew in on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Go on. And then on Wednesday, you became the world champion? No, no, no. So... I flew in Wednesday. I got there Wednesday, uh, late morning, almost noon. And I was planning to meet up with Zach and Ian, two Wolfpack guys for breakfast. And when I landed, I looked up Ubers to the place they wanted to meet at breakfast and it was like $70. And I'm like, that's too much money. I need to figure out a better way to get out there. And uh, that's when I realized that I was in San Francisco and not San Jose. So I had to figure out a bus down there. And I ended up getting on a bus going the wrong way. So uh, needless to say, I missed breakfast. Um, oh, no. But I ended up... It wasn't the breakfast of champions, though, yet. So No, no, it was just, it was just a, a breakfast. So Is every breakfast you eat now the breakfast of champions? Because uh, you're the champion and you're having breakfast, so it, it has to be the breakfast of champions by default then, right? I think I think it's just breakfast of champion, like singular. Because I'm not, like, I'm not multiple champions, so... I have to be sharing the breakfast with another champion. You're still you're still a singular champion. Yeah. So oh. so if I was sharing the breakfast with another champion, then it could be the breakfast of champions. Gotcha. Okay, I see how that works now. <laughs> but um, I ended up busting down to the San Jose airport and meeting another Wolfpack member, Eric, there, and then uh, his dad came and picked us up and took us back to his house because his parents are actually local to San Jose. So that's pretty convenient i guess um so we hung out at his place for a while did a bunch of talking played a bunch more flesh and blood played like a couple hours of icelander versus Phi, and then did some dinner and talked through zach's briar deck and sideboard stuff and then went back to the hotel and just slept i was planning on seeing michael fang at the hotel he was he's like my he's who i stayed with for the event but his flight got delayed, delayed, canceled. 
And eventually he got on a flight for the next day and he ended up getting there like pretty late Thursday evening and unfortunately missed all the all the practice on Thursday, all the draft practice we did. Yeah. But better late than never, right? Yeah, at least uh he made it in time for the tournament. That would be really sad if like the flight got delayed to like mid Friday or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Thursday we all met up at the my hotel lobby and well, we all like me, Zach, Ian, Eric, and then some other wolf pack guys that got in. Um, Andrew joined us, Matt Coles joined us, and then we had to find two more people. I think two more people for drafts, maybe three more people. Maybe one of them wasn't there quite yet. I don't remember exactly who was there, but <laughs> we ended up doing several drafts on Thursday to practice, and that was most of the day Thursday was just doing some practice drafts and then but there was a dinner on Thursday right so there was like that pre banquet thing on Thursday oh the the banquet the yeah so yeah the banquet at the guild hall we got there uh around six I think I think we were probably like a little bit early but a little before six and there was a huge line of people out the door and we had to wait in line for a while before it was like before it was even moving. And then when it started moving, it took a while to like get everybody in. And then they were giving out free drink tickets. So I got two free alcoholic drinks of my choice that I Your favorite. immediately took my tickets and handed them to Zach. I'm like, I don't care what you do with these, I don't want them. <laughs> so uh, but I did get in line to get some food, got some pizza, and then Eventually, like announcements started, or there was like a really cool—I forget what it's called—Weta, Weta. I don't know some some yeah, cool prism, prism sculpture. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they showed it off on the stream a whole bunch. Okay, yeah. Well, they were playing that video, but you couldn't hear what anything was, <laughs> anything the video was saying because the Guildhouse, I don't think, was made for quite as many people as we had there, so the sound was not working very well, and you couldn't really hear the video at all. <laughs> But it seemed like it was cool. And uh, they also ran out of food. At one point, I got back in line to go get more food. And I got up there and there was no food left. And I'm like, Wait, oh. more food? So you did get a single serving. The, I did. The I notes did. say you didn't get any food. They ran out of food. So I, I, I got, I got food. I got, I got a first serving and then I went for more food and there was no food. And so you went up, please, sir, may I have some more? And they were like, no. No pudding. <laughs> I got in the line with other people and there was just no no food left. Except I guess there was still salad, but there was no like pizza or anything. That counts as food. You could have had salad. I did have some salad, but I didn't want more salad. I wanted more pizza. Hmm. Anyway, so it was pretty loud and very, very crowded. And when there was no food left, I'm like, what are we even doing here? So so eventually I was like, Do you guys wanna Did that get out then of you here? have bathrooms? did it did. that wasn't the that wasn't the tournament hall that was it a was, separate yeah venue. yeah this was a separate venue it was like a it was like a little gaming like cafe kind of thing where it had like food and it had like themed drinks based on like gaming stuff and it was like it was a cool venue it just like wasn't made for the amount of people that were there if that makes sense gotcha so uh like the whole wolf pack basically left and went back and hung out at my hotel for a little while so we just like kind of sat at the same table we drafted at and we just like talked for like a couple out i don't know if it was a couple hours we talked for a while we all made sure we got our decks submitted and stuff and we're just decompressing a little bit before tomorrow or before the tournament started and then yeah went to bed and then friday was the big the big day the start of the tournament the start of worlds you're beginning to your quadruple icelander threat yeah yeah the start of the 19 rounds of icelander (laughs) so the venue was like kind of weird. So there was a convention center and behind the convention center was a giant like circus tent. It was like really, really big and long and just a giant circle circus tent basically. And that's where the tournament was held. And when you were inside, it did seem like really big and it looked really cool, but it was just kind of like just a big circus tent. So there were no bathrooms and they uh there was like a trailer right outside and you had to go out the side of it to get to the bathrooms and it was just like a trailer of bathrooms outside um so that was interesting sounds like it 
but uh, the tournament started with like a flag ceremony where everyone was like, or like all the like national champions were invited to be the flag bearers for their country. And not everyone that ended up being a flag bearer was a national champion, but I believe they asked all the national champions first. And so we were all kind of just like hanging out, talking and stuff before that. And then uh, some people seemed like they knew what they were doing, waving the flags. I did not. I was just waving. Yeah, my flag. I saw that video. You were awkward. <laughs> you didn't. You had you, you were, your shirt was all untucked. My shirt was untucked. But I, I heard that you said I was not wearing a belt, and I was wearing a belt. You just couldn't see it because my shirt wasn't tucked in. Oh, because oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You needed to represent the United States with a cleaner style. I think it was fine. I think it was fine. At least I was wearing jeans. You know, I could have been in like shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, you you, def- you definitely could have been like wearing your ripped Yoshi shirt and like basketball shorts. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, long tube socks. Yeah. The classic Michael Hamilton look. So I guess like, you're right. It could have been worse. That is a that is a classic look. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> so after that, the tournament finally starts. And I think everyone's really, really nervous going into the first draft because nobody really knows what's going to happen and how the drafts are going to go. But I got off to a pretty good start i first picked like a sash over a red brother in arms and then i ended up with like a pretty reasonable icelander deck where i had two yellow finals fighting spirits that i got like surprisingly late and both times i got them it was like the first one was like pick five or pick six and the second one was like i think i gotta like pick eight so i was very happy with that and then i did not have a spellfire cloak but i didn't end up playing any mirrors i played against two fives and a dromai so i got a squeak out of three oh with my Icelander deck. Okay. It's off to a good start. Then uh, we had a little bit of a break between the draft rounds and CC, but not very long. So there was like a little tiny food vendor at the end of the tent. <laughs> and I got a sandwich for like $12. And I'm like, hmm, this is so expensive for a sandwich. California things. <laughs> and then CC started. Uh, my first round of CC, I played against a Dromai. Uh, lorenzo something <laughs> anyway okay uh there was a really long judge call we had because he uh, very close to the end of the game we were playing kind of fast and he attacked with an asvali and triggered his burn them all and i was like wait before the asvali triggers and the burn them all triggers i'm gonna kill it and uh, i pitched my amulet of ice and pointed my aether hell at it and triggered my nodes to kill the asvali and i'm Eventually, uh, he, he's like asking how the interaction works. And I'm like, I'm just going to have a judge explain it. So I call over a judge and the first judge comes over and doesn't actually understand what I'm trying to do or killing it in the layer step. I don't know exactly the technical details of it, but there's a window where you declare that you would like to spend your action point to attack with the Asvali. And it puts the Asvali becoming an attacker as a becomes like a layer or something. Mm-hmm. And if Asvali leaves the battlefield before that happens, then... Uh, you lose your action point and you don't get to put the Azlai ping or the Burn Them All ping on the stack. And it's similar to the interaction with Silent Stilettos in Limited where you can kill it before it becomes an attacking dragon and they can't use Silent Stilettos to get their action point back. That's interesting. Anyway, so the first judge that I'm talking to doesn't understand what I'm trying to do. Uh, we go back and forth for a few minutes and then I think uh, they get kind of frustrated and just call over a second judge. And the second judge comes over and starts telling me that there is a window. There is no window after the Azulai has played that I have priority before my opponent can attack with it. And I'm like, I know that's not that's not what I'm intending to do. I want him to declare it as an attacker and then... Before it's an attacking attacker, you yeah. want to kill it before the attacking attacker is considered an attacker for attacking purposes. Exactly. So I, yeah, go, yeah. I go back and forth with that judge for a few minutes and... Uh, I was getting a little bit frustrated and I feel kind of bad that I guess getting kind of frustrated with the judges, but like, uh, I guess like, I don't want to say, but I, I just feel like it wasn't a great situation. And eventually a, a third judge comes over and talks to the two judges away from the table and kind of explains to them what I'm trying to do and how it works. And then they're like, okay. And then the third judge tells just like gives us a thumbs up and is like, yep, you're good to kill it. So then my opponent has questions because no one actually explained how the interaction worked to him very well. So, so uh, he, the ju- the third judge ends up explaining it to my opponent, how it's working. And uh, so I killed, eventually the Azulai dies. He doesn't have his action point. He passes the turn to me. I go to my turn. I look at the two cards in my hand and re- I have uh, a cold snap and 
I think it's like a channel like frigid or something like useless. And I'm going to arsenal the cold snap. My plan is to arsenal the cold snap. And I know I'm going to draw into uh, Ice Eternal the following turn and Ice Eternal. And I couldn't remember exactly my pitch deck. It was either uh, going to be either the next five cards were blues, counting the Ice Eternal, or it was all blues except the popper. So regardless, I messed up because I didn't... Uh, the turn before I pitched the amulet device, and I could have just played the amulet device at that point on that when I had the two cards. So instead, I just I feel like we're a little bit stuff. in the weeds here, Michael. Let's pull it back. Okay, let's pull okay. it back a little bit. Uh, sure, 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 sure. So I think I think the high level, uh, the moral of the story is that Michael Hamilton is not only the best flesh and blood player in the world; he's also the best judge. So uh, we can talk <laughs> about future rounds now. Okay. Well, the, uh, I end up messing up that game. I guess he's better than two three two two thirds of the judges. Two out of every Stop. three judges aren't as good as judging as Michael Hamilton. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a judge, but I am very familiar with the Dromai rulings because it's very important when you're playing Ice Center against Dromai. Anyway, so I mess up that game anyway and lose. It's just illusionist things. Illusionist has the best keywords and most intuitive rules interactions. And the only things could have been better is if the dragons had Spectra. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I end up losing that game because of a misplay with the amulet device. And then I went out the rest of the constructed rounds. I play against an old Heim. And then I think it was a five, but honestly, I don't remember if it was a fire or a briar. And then I played against a dash and a Kino. Nice. Kino was kind of weirdly represented, right? Like, yeah, it was, I don't know how many Kinos there were. I know Hayden was playing Kino. That's who I played in the last round was Hayden Dale. Um, I don't know if there were, many other Kano's or not, but did you feel like it was like an interesting or difficult matchup against Kano? Uh, I always assumed Icelander would be reasonably favored just because you can always just end your turn with a blue in hand. Then you just arsenal it. If you're not getting wildfire combo at the end of your turn, the matchup was actually like, a like closer than I expected it to be, but I don't like, I, I would still guess it's recently Icelander favored, but and I probably made some mistakes due to inexperience playing against Kino. Like maybe I was not extending where I should have, where I had room to, or not like knowing how much room I had. So I was playing too cautious at points. But mm-hmm. um, the game, the game did end up being pretty close. And I, so I think like I would be able to give a more concrete answer if I'd played more against Kano or with Kano as Kano against Icelander. But I would think the matchup is Icelander favored because. I've been trying to play some Kano on like Talishar with like the new dynasty cards mm-hmm. and it is not going well. So <laughs> Kano's pretty hard to play. He's very hard to play. Yeah. I definitely one of the harder characters in the game to play. Outside of Icelander. Icelander requires the most skill and thought, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so So then you had three more stupid rounds of draft and then let's th- let's talk about Blitz. Blitz was really interesting to me. Oh no, I so <laughs> Going into Blitz, I'm X2, and mm-hmm. I'm just like filled with dread at this point, because I'm like, it's Blitz, I don't feel great about Blitz, I spent a ton of time practicing for Blitz, but I'm like, it's still Blitz, you don't get to do a sideboarding and stuff, and you just like have your deck, and you have your plans, and like if you have a bad matchup, then there's not a lot you can do, a lot you can do about it, other than bringing a different deck, basically. So, in Blitz, I end up playing against two Icelander mirrors and three prisms, which... Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. We completely... Nobody had prism on their radar, or at least on our team, right? Like, uh, we, did, we didn't think prism was a thing at all, right? Michael Fang spent a little bit of time working on prism, but eventually just switched to Oldheim with most of the rest of the team. I don't think... I, I think, it, like, the prism call makes sense, because they expected a field of Oldheim and Icelander, and those were the two most played decks in Blitz, Oldheim and Icelander, and it wasn't, like close at all it was like they were the mm-hmm. two most played by far so like if your prism deck has a good matchup into both of those decks prism seems like a great choice yeah so like that's what it was really interesting to me and if uh prism is good in blitz then i think i'm interested in blitz now because i miss me playing some some prism that's for sure <laughs> okay okay i see um yeah i think i think prism is very good i think four of the top eight ended up being on prism in blitz and i think like it was less than 20 percent of the field so that's a very good conversion rate. Yeah. Definitely makes a lot of sense. So, but you managed to beat it one out of your three times, right? What happened in that game? Like, how did you manage to get through? Yeah. Uh, so the game I won was against Jonas. Oh, I don't remember his last name, but um, I know towards the end of the game, there was like 
there was a lot of people watching there. There were a lot of people watching us and the game was really tight. And I know he was really kind of frustrated with how he played the end of the game. And I felt kind of bad because I like, uh, th- there was a lot of like pressure because so many people were watching us. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of got to him a little bit. And, um, I don't want to say I won because he made mistakes or anything, but I don't really, I honestly don't remember. Like, I don't remember the details of the game that well. I just remember like the thing that stood out to me the most was that happening and him having a rough time with, uh, like being, I guess being frustrated that he kind of messed, messed up and there were so many people and it was just a lot. But the mental game of flesh and blood's, you know, a thing. And so like, if he, even if he beats you there, but he makes top eight and he's playing on camera in front of like two or 3000 people and he makes a mistake, would he just tilt it off in top eight then too? (laughs) Um, I, I really don't know. I do agree with what you said that like, I think like having big groups of people watching is something that you'll have to just kind of get used to if you're going to play well flesh and blood or anything really at like a top competitive level, because like, that's just part of competition is like the reason that like they can have these kind of prizes for competitions and stuff is because it's like such a, like things that people like to watch, right? Like it's like um, a spectator thing almost. So like, that's just kind of has to be part of it to be watched by people. If you're going to play at the top level. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know what would happen. And I think that like, or if he made top eight or whatever, if he would have been able to handle it more, because like, at least in the top eight, it's like more walled off where like, you're like playing and there's some cameras on you, but like, it's all like, everyone's like locked, like four feet away from you or something where they're trying to like watch past the rope, but it's less kind of in your face, I guess. And I guess it's surprising to me too, to begin with, because I know Star City Games, or at least at the old Pro Tours, they had like, they just, and even at Nationals or the Pro Tour, at least, I don't, I don't know. The point being is that usually at larger events, judges are pretty good about keeping large spectators away from people watching matches on like the pro level tournaments. They usually have them like sometimes marked off with tape and they say you have to keep these aisles clear and no standing behind people. And so, but that wasn't a thing. They they did they did do that. I oh gosh, I'm really trying to remember the details of what was happening because I I do remember there being ropes and tape and stuff. They just weren't enforced. The judges don't know how Asvali works, and they don't know how ropes work. Um, <laughs> I I really don't remember very well. I feel like I I don't want to say more about it because I don't want to say something that's incorrect. That's fair. Because I I I don't know where the people were. I don't remember that part very well. They were kind of like. In my mind, they were very toned out of my head. I feel like I do a very good job at focusing on games now. Because I'm picturing like paparazzi, you know, bright bulbs flashing and people going like, I got to see Michael Hamilton. Please sign my baby Michael Hamilton <laughs> screaming in the background. And he's just trying to play his prism deck and stuff like that. That's how I'm picturing it, at least. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't that extreme. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I lost... I lost round two and round four to Prism, and that was round three of Blitz that I beat the Prism. And then after I lost round four, I thought I was dead for top eight because I thought you had to be X4 and lose the last round to make top eight. So I was like kind of like pretty bummed and like kind of walking around telling people that I was dead, but I was playing for top 16 or whatever. And then they post standings after round 15. I go and look at the standings and I'm in eighth place. <laughs> so, so I find out that I have a win and in for top eight. And then my last round, I play against an Icelander mirror, and I'm like, I think this is the most nervous I am in the tournament, because I'm like, suddenly I'm like, this is Blitz, it's still Blitz, I'm still really stressed about Blitz, and still feel pretty not confident in Blitz in general, and feel like I have less control over it, so I'm just like, I'm just going to do my best and hope, but, you know. Um, but you win, and you make it. Yeah, I win the mirror, and then the, uh, we move on to the top eight announcement, and I ended up getting in an eighth place, which was yeah, I was watching that announcement at home and I was like, they didn't say your name after like the top seven. And I was like nervous for like that last name announcement. Like I was even, like, I even felt the flutters and butterflies, you know, just watching it from here. Did you, did you know I was in when you were feeling that or were you on, or I, I guess I don't know what the- I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Like, okay. I think you said like you thought you were locked or whatever, but like a lot of people have said that they thought that they're locked and then it turns out they weren't locked, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think tiebreakers and flush and blood are like pretty consistent. And you just like can kind of know that you're in or not. And cause I was an eighth and I won. So like no one, it's not possible for anyone to pass me because there's like the only, the only tiebreaker is when you win and lose. Mm-hmm. So well, it's the first tiebreaker or the first time. Sure. Sure. So I guess maybe I could have been passed, but I don't know. I am not sure. Cause I don't think I've, I haven't really looked into what's after when you win and lose because sure 
I don't, I don't really know. So do you think Blitz has like a place at competitive flesh and blood tournaments in the going forward? Uh, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. I think Blitz in its current form where you bring one deck, there's no sideboarding. There's you, you bring one deck, you play one game. There's no sideboarding. I don't think that makes a lot of sense to me as a competitive, uh, format. Yeah. I think it's the perfect armory format for what it's worth. Like, cause I've been playing in classic instructed armories and two rounds have gone by and sometimes a match goes long. And so like a match took like, I think like 75 minutes and we started at 7 p.m. So I played two matches and there was still like a round to go, but it was oh, after 9 p.m. I was just like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going home. I'm tired. But if they were blitz rounds, they would have gone much faster. So I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm warming up to blitz as like the casual armory level event, especially for teaching people and getting people into the game and stuff like that. But as far as like competitive integrity goes, I'm still very low on Blitz. So I do want to say a couple more things about Blitz. I think the ban list for this event was very good. I think like the Storm Shredders ban, although I love Ice Center and I want Ice Center to be good, I think it was like a very good ban. And I think she's in a much healthier spot power level wise. I think she's still probably one of the best decks in the format, but I don't think there were any problematic decks i know there was stories about a reinar killing i think hayden on turn one or turn zero yeah that game is brutal i have not seen that yet i want to go back and watch that but killing on turn one's not great but it doesn't seem like it happens that often and then i think dash can have some very short games as well if you're just like on the talishar and you're boosting with tecla pounder like you can kill people on turn two pretty easily threaten like 20 damage yeah but what if you're not on talishar like if you're playing in real life does she still have that same consistency no the weapon talishar not the clients Ah. but i think what i would like to see if they want blitz to be part of the top highest level tournaments like worlds level i think blitz should be something like uh some a thing they do in hearthstone is where you like bring like two or three decks and then i think you bring three decks and each player gets to ban one of their opponent's decks and you have to get a win with your other two decks to win the round. Something like that could work for Blitz. I think just something where it's like not one game. That seems really difficult to balance in like a real life kind of situation though. Yeah, the logistics of having three physical decks is a lot. Yeah, and then also um, just like like how do you even verify like between rounds like somebody said the right heroes or whatever, you know? I don't know, like... Or like your opponent says first, and I, 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 there's just some weird things about it that I think would just need to be mapped out beforehand. That would just be extra steps in logistics as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I think so. I guess my biggest issue with Blitz is that it is reasonably higher variance than Classic Constructed, and getting one bad matchup is like just a loss. Yeah, really impactful because there's so little you can do to prepare your deck to be able to, to have tools to fight a bad matchup compared to Classic Constructed, where like. I think matchups are still like pretty polarized, but like it doesn't, or some matches are still pretty polarized, but it feels like more like you can decide if you want to invest slots to make your deck better against this thing. And you can have, you can spend six sideboard slots to make your five matchup as Icelander better or your Icelander matchup as five better or whatever. Whereas like in Blitz, you're just like changing your deck. You can't. I don't understand why you can't have like cyborg deck cards in Blitz still. Like, why does it all have to be equipment? Uh, I, I don't know. That's just how it is right now so that's weird yeah i think like if we just had regular sideboarding and blitz that could also help with at least some of my issues with the format but well yeah because then you could play like you know more defense reactions and stuff like that like you could at least like eat, like defense reactions wouldn't be banned from the format i guess you know mm-hmm. yeah and again so, so i think prism played defense reactions the prism decks that did well but most decks could. yeah but they were specifically gunning for very particular decks in the meta right mm-hmm. They pl- so. And they got to play. They got to play a lot of the yellow defense reactions because they want their pitch cards to be yellow anyway. So right, or at least one of their pitch cards most turns to be yellow. So I think Blitz is interesting. I would have preferred it if Worlds was just CC and draft. Or if you had to pick a third format to add to it next year, what would it be? I'm pretty interested in Living Legend format. Um, I could also just I could also see having multiple different draft formats. Like we did double uprising this year. I think doing some like Welcome to Wraith Aria uprising draft formats would be pretty cool. That's a lot of prep work that people would have to do to learn multiple formats. But I think like if you're trying, like they said, they're trying to get the world champion. They need to be good at different forms of flesh and blood. That would be a cool way to do it. Also, what if you think like uh, they try to post like three deck lists in advance that 
people are allowed to play and you can pick from like one of those three deck lists and like you have to put like that kind of thing like they're all balanced against each other but like there's like one setup deck one aggro deck one control deck but like they're all like reasonably balanced that, I don't know, something like that could be pretty interesting yeah that i think that would be i think it would be hard to get all three decks to be in a very balanced state and then like so if the one deck's the best and like 50 percent or 60 percent of the field picks that deck suddenly the event's just like a bunch of iron mirrors right which isn't great that makes sense but i do think that would be interesting to compete in i think like as a player, it would be a fun format. I'm not sure if it would be a great spectator format. Well, yeah, I think a lot of flesh and blood is kind of weird from a spectator point of view to begin with, but you think so? Not to say that it, uh, I'm somebody obviously who's very entrenched in it and, um, you know, knows what all the cards do off the top of my head and usually. And I found myself getting lost sometimes in games just spectating it just because, like, it's hard to know what color of cards is being pitched, right? Or like played sometimes. Or played. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just very difficult to like see that sometimes. And like the die indicating the power level, you know, helps a good amount, but still, um, there's only so much you can do. And two, I wish there was some way they could like put like a hand cam or like you would like draw your hand, show it to like I don't know. It's just also not being able to keep track of people's hands really takes away from like being involved in the game and like thinking about it like as the game's being played because there were turns like where I'm like, oh Michael drew an Aether Ice Vein and it turned out that was just like an ice bolt and I couldn't tell the <laughs> ice <laughs> ice, you know, generic looking cards differentiated from each other from the teeny tiny microscopic thing. And, and that also makes it harder for like the casters too. So like huge respect to them for like being able to like do that and differentiate and keep track of it. So it's just a lot i feel like yeah yeah I, I get what you mean i think like in one of my games that i had two sink blows when my opponent played an exude confidence and like i i was you're gonna give me crap about watching my own games but i was watching the replay the commentators didn't even talk about that because i couldn't tell that my hand was two sink blows at that point right yeah like i was able to like make it out but you know i'm watching on a way bigger monitor like right in front of my face and i have 2020 laser vision eyes mm -hmm. uh so yeah <laughs> but yeah i i think there is a lot of stuff that would be really cool to see that would help with um viewership stuff i guess like hand cams and a way to f determine or a way to more easily tell what color cards are because i was watching uh i was watching one of james james adams games also because he was also an ice liner but he had like a lot of the red ice spells and i kept being like why did he make this play and then the next turn he would play a red aether hail and i'm like oh because the aether hail was red the whole time in his hand <laughs> yeah like, that and, you know, I, I think like building like these big dual arenas that create 3d projections of your heroes and um you kind of get in these giant stadiums and get some star chips yeah you get some star chips and then they can make like portable versions of that technology and then we can all run around a city you know setting up and throwing around our holograms and people around the city would watch our holographic flesh and blood battles as like they go about their day that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah that would be sounds like a tv show no no this is this is this is real life stuff man <laughs> so i guess moving on so there was a top eight announcement and i squeaked it an eighth everyone was real happy for me i was real happy and had to stay around for a bunch of photos and stuff and it took a little while before we got deckless but we got eventually and then um when we had our opponent's deckless we went to dinner i went with it was a smaller group of the wolf pack guys but it was me andrew michael matt and not a wolf pack member but a friend that was rooming with matt i think his name is josh i think oh gosh i shouldn't say that if i'm not confident i think that was his name i'm so sorry if that's not your name but <laughs> um yeah we went to dinner we talked a little bit and then we went back to the hotel and michael played a couple icelander mirrors with me we ended up playing in the lobby and drew a little bit of a crowd and i'm like maybe we should have just played up in our hotel room but there wasn't a great spot for the two of us to play and also have a couple of fat guys or Wolfpack guys and our friend nathan was there too to talk about things so that's why i ended up in the lobby but <laughs> so there's an interesting thing that used to happen back in like magic right where people would test like cyborg strategies and stuff like that mm -hmm. um for like their team normally when somebody's in top eight do you think but we didn't do that a lot and you didn't really seem interested in 
that? Do you, do you think there's just not as much merit to that in this game? Well, I think part of it is your sideboard strategies for most meta decks are very set going into the weekend. And no one's deck is so far out of left field that I'd be like, hey guys, I really have no idea what to do. I need to sleep. Can you please figure out how I should be sideboarding for this? For the most part, I'm like, maybe I want to change two or three cards from how I was sideboarding before, or maybe I just want to test my sideboard configuration against their specific version and make sure it's correct. But it's not like, it's never like I'm coming from that far away in terms of what I actually want to be doing. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like if for maybe for nationals, if like it was like, if, if it was, if my first round was against or someone that was playing against me when I had the weird, super weird, never weird bunch of attack versions of attack actions, Icelander, yeah. that would be the kind of thing where it'd be like, Hey guys, I have an hour or so before I should get to bed. Can you guys kind of figure out what I should be doing in this matchup? And I'm going to sleep something like that. But None of none of my matchups were like very far out of the norm of what you would expect for decks, I guess. Gotcha. And then you play top eight, and then you won. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Do you want me to go through this, or do you want to skip it all? Uh, were there any matches that you? I guess uh, I'm assuming that most people watched the top eight matches because they're just. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Let me at least. I have a couple of things I want to say about. Obviously, the sink below thing is going to be like the. Oh my god, he's never going to attack again. Oh my god. Yeah, the the sink below thing against Viet was like it was it was pretty cool. Um, again, it was like not something that I'd ever seen happen before, where they have a face up sink below in Arsenal and you can just never attack them. But that's a cool part of Flash and Blood is like the games. A lot of the games feel different, and like you can kind of have pretty interesting situations come up. But I also wanted to talk about Viet a little bit because um, his rental car got broken into before the event. And he lost like everything, like all of his, all of his cards, um, both. He, he had two CC decks, a prism blitz deck and a binder with a bunch of other stuff in it that was all stolen from his rental car. And I just wanted to bring it up on here cause we have a platform. So like it helps maybe if it's someone sees this and sees like someone selling a prism blitz deck and an Icelander and Fi CC decks, they'll be like, Oh, alarm bells will go off. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that on here. I might just link a list of the stuff that he lost in the show notes, if that sounds okay to you. You mean the doobly-doo? Or not the show notes, yeah, the, the, the comments on YouTube. The description, but the vlog brothers infamously started calling it the doobly-doo like okay. 20 years ago, so that's its common moniker. Okay, that thing, yeah. Because I, um, that really sucks, and I'm like, I want to include this list in the description of the stuff that he's missing in case it helps return his stuff to him when potentially someone shows up trying to sell that to someone in the world because it's just getting your stuff stolen sucks yeah Yeah. it's just a really bad situation and it's sad i don't know yeah okay um real quick i'm gonna move on if that's okay yeah or i guess not real quick but after the quarters um my next round is either against a Briar or an Oldheim. We know that Briar ended up winning, but uh, I basically asked if I could get Briar reps against someone from the team, and Zach Zach dropped from a side event and came all the way across the convention center, dropped from his event, and came over and played the Briar list into me and gave me a few good practice games, and we kind of plugged through them. And, and then I, he bought you dinner at the end of the night? Jeez, and, man. And then he bought me dinner. So... Um, again, I, I freaking love the wolf pack. Everyone's been so good to me and I hope that, I don't know. I just really like the team. So we're probably going to stick with this team going forward. Do you think I, we're, not, we're not leaving? We're not going to start team Hamilton. As long as they don't kick us off, I, I would love to stay with them. Oh, there's so. no way they'd ever kick you off, but me, I'm a loose cannon that makes inappropriate jokes. So <laughs> anything could happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they like you a lot too. So I think, I think we're, I think we're in a good spot. I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. So then I have the semifinals match against PT. And I think Briar is probably my best matchup of the, all the decks that made top eight. So getting to play against Briar in the semifinals and the finals was very, very fortunate. Um, I don't think either of the games were that interesting. I don't know how to say that. And not- they weren't. Yeah, they, uh, they weren't. They weren't 
super close, like just being blunt, like you just kind of like they kind of like Flesh and Blood is that weird game where like the life totals appeared close at certain points in time, but like the actual game states were just like completely in your favor for like the last like five or six turns of the game. Um, I think I even posted like in like Twitch chat or something like that. I was like, oh, I'm like 95% sure Michael wins this game. And like, they're like, you guys were both at like 18 life or something like that still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my draws lined up pretty well for the most part. I, don't, I didn't draw any two awkward hands. The one time I had a hand where I had Aether, Aether Ice Vein and Fyandal's Fighting Spirit against, uh, I think it was in the finals match. I ended up being able to sink below the Fyandal's Fi- Fighting Spirit and hit a blue ice card. So I just like, everything or maybe it was a maybe it was a blue not ice card but i already had a blue ice card in my hand i don't remember exactly what happened but the hand the hand ended up being like perfectly fine after that and then nice yeah i guess the exude into my double sink blow was the only thing that was like a little bit awkward but it was just like it wasn't that my hand was bad it was just like the exude lined up well into it so i would say that everything lined up very fortunately for me with both getting two good matchups and having pretty solid draws against them both times Michael Hamilton getting lucky. I, I can't believe it. I would never <laughs> have thought that could have happened. Mm-hmm. So there was also like a lot of like nationalism stuff going on where people were like talking about their countries and there was like a whole thing, all the different countries that were there. That made me slightly uncomfortable just being blunt, but like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's just like, yeah, America has the world championship, but we don't have nationalized healthcare. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll trade. I'll trade another country. If anybody if, wants to trade the world flesh and blood championship title for, you know, a functioning democracy and, uh, healthcare, universal healthcare and stuff like that, you know, I, I think, I think Michael would be in for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I'm just going to leave it at that and not say whatever I was going to say about it. Um, So I move on to the award ceremony. There's a bunch of pictures and stuff, but it takes forever to do all the pictures, but it was cool. But I don't know. There was there was some moments that I'm like, I'm kind of over this. I just want to go rest with the with the crew, the wolf pack. And we went out to a nice dinner that Zach, uh, Zach bought my dinner and he also bought me a dessert. And it was real nice. And we kind of went around in a circle talking about our favorite parts of the weekend. And it was just like a really sweet way to wrap up the evening, I guess. Nice. Well, I'm happy for you, buddy. Uh, I think I told you several times throughout the weekend, I didn't need to wish you luck. And I asked you several times beforehand, like, what are you going to do with the money once you win it? Because I was fairly <laughs> sure you were going to win the tournament just because uh, I know how good you are at the game. So You were a lot more confident than I was. <laughs> yeah, but that's true about a lot of things. <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess after i guess after dinner there was a little bit more that happened there was like an after party at the guild house again which the guild house is where the banquet was and uh did you get to have like a sweet like interaction with james white off stage or like did he care like to talk to you at all or anything like that he didn't approach me so i didn't mm. really talk to him much he said he said whatever he said on stage i think the mics picked it up i honestly do not remember what he Barely. said yeah <laughs> But I just didn't know, like, uh, if he'd be like, in, like, curious about like your thoughts on the game or anything like that, just from like a design perspective, or like, obviously, since like you just keep like crushing the events and stuff like that, like, I didn't know, like, if he cared at all, like, but maybe he does, and he just was super busy and preoccupied with other things. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure he was very busy, and then I was also very busy, like, not too busy for James White, you know, but I was getting never too busy for James White. James White calls you, you, you pick up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, but. I don't know. So uh, I didn't really interact with him outside of the onstage stuff. So gotcha. Yeah. So we went to the the guild house and we I was chatting with Ryan Rich a bunch. I spent uh, probably like at least thirty minutes just talking to him there and hanging out. And then uh, I forgot who it was. Someone was just handing out boxes of Tales of Aria, and they gave a box of Tales of Aria to someone that was near me and. Uh, I was like, you want a draft? So we just had eight people and we just did a draft at like 11 o'clock at night at the guild house after the pro tour. Who won? Or after the worlds. Uh, did you draft old time and win? I drafted, I first picked a red bramble spark, second picked like blue autumn's touch. And I was like in this earth briar deck and then briar seemed really cut off and old time seemed really open. So I just moved into earth old time and I was like, I pivoted like super late pack one and I'm like, this is so cool. You can pivot in this format. You can't pivot in uprising. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, we didn't finish the whole draft. I played Ryan the first round. He was super drunk. He his deck wasn't very good, and he was playing a little <laughs> a little loose drunk, and I beat him up. And then I played I played a game against Matt Folks on Lexi and beat him up because that's a bad matchup for Lexi. <laughs> and then that was yeah. that was the only two games I played. Well, I mean, what is a good matchup for Lexi in that form? I think so. I think the the nerf Briar might be a little bit more okay for her, but maybe that's just not true. I don't know. Yeah, it might be okay, but I still wouldn't call it good. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I, I got a uh, pack two, like pick three. I got like an oak and old. And that's when I'm like, yep, we're hard pivoting to old. <laughs> Cause I was like, kind of like toe in the line a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. like, Ooh, oak and old <laughs> had three ice cards. It was great. <laughs> awesome. But yeah. So then I went to bed and then the next day I slept like most of the day, honestly. Um, I had a fun time trying to ship the giant show check home. It actually got home today. So I put it up on my, I have to go to a giant bank to cash it, right? No, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was a real check at first. <laughs> Doesn't it say like the bank of like yeah, yeah, dynasty but, or like from like the region of Volcor? Yeah, before, before I saw it, I thought it was like a real check that they were giving because I knew they were giving out a giant check thing to the winner. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. And then when I, when I read the check, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. And then, but yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, um, I slept most of the day Monday. Eric let me crash at his parents' house after I got had a checkout from the hotel, so that was really nice of him. And then he drove me to the airport, too, and I had a nice chat with him on the way there. And I flew home, and that was my weekend. Nice, dude. Yeah, the end. <laughs> now we get to take a nice long break from Flesh and Blood for the next few months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Until I bring over a box of Tales of Aria this weekend, and we just do some seals or something. I don't know. Ooh, I'm down. I like Aria. Fix Briar. Yeah, we got fixed briar. I'm always, or maybe you can do like a box of Aria, and I'll do a box of Dynasty, and then we have like you know box battle. Mm. A box of Dynasty or uh, Uprising. I mean, the one that's draftable. So okay, like okay. Dynasty, or like you said again, Uprising the Aria. Yeah, battle. I'm down. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> no, Icelander would just dominate. You would just force Icelander in that format because there's no arcane barrier in uh, Aria. Oh, yeah. Oldheim's probably not very good into like, Icelander. No one's probably very good into Icelander. <laughs> in Aria. In Aria, yeah. 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 You kind of have to design your limited format around a wizard existing in it, huh? I mean, they could have designed their limited format around Rosetta Thorn existing too, but what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> put, put Arcane Barrier when there's a weapon that deals two Arcane damage every turn? Nah. Nah. You don't need it. Nah. It's okay. They just wanted a broken weapon. It's fine. Yeah, it, that was the pandemic set that they put Duskblade in. They, they weren't up to their full design quality self yet. And I still think Tales of Aria is like, in my opinion, it's one of the best sets. Even though, like, I think like Rosetta Thorn was a bit too good, and Briar obviously needed to be eroded because she was a bit too good. But yeah, and Duskblade, and then Dusk- Ball Lightning. Ball Lightning's fine. Yeah, Ball Lightning is fine. <laughs> Well, lightning was kind of a cool effect, and I think it had a reasonable downside of just like not blocking and having one less power than all the other zero cost going in things. I think. Yeah. I I think ball lightning, and it also only works on elemental things. So like you couldn't like ball lightning into scar for a scar and get the bonus. Mm-hmm. So like I I feel like ball lightning was fine, but whatever. Ball lightning. I just think oak and old is still too good, but you know my thoughts on random hand strip effects are pretty well known by this point but you love it you love it when you take two random cards and you lose them from your hand like two cards is already punishing enough why do you have to make it random just remove the word random from that card and i love it it's a it's a perfect card like it's very powerful it's very good it punishes your opponent like why make it random mm-hmm. it's just it's just horrible and i it would definitely be less strong than it is. Could you imagine how much, how much better Pummel would be if Pummel said they just got a random card? Oh. <laughs> oh, Pummel would be like super broken. Mm-hmm. Pummel would be super broken if it was a random card. I think Pummel is like in a very like healthy spot as it is. So yeah, I think it's random's just dumb. <laughs> I worry about Pummel sometimes just because like it's a generic. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I think it's. I think overall it's fine. I just don't think it's like necessarily like the best card still, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like it's not like the healthiest design. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 
I kind of like that, like, it, it has a pretty, like, strict requirement that you have to play, like, two cost attacks, and you generally takes, it's either a three-card hand or, or a three-card hand of a tunic or a four-card hand to play a two-plus cost attack and pummel it. Unless there's a bunch of cost cheating stuff in the format, which I guess that could be a problem. But right. for now, I feel like it's like in a pretty good spot where like you have to keep a three or four card hand for it. my problematic generic is Snatch, but that can be another episode. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because Snatch. Well, is anything like, you want to say for uh, this episode then before we wrap things up? Uh, so how was your weekend? <laughs> oh, it was great. I uh, studied for the outside a whole bunch. Um, did some housework, some chores. Got to watch. Michael Hamilton win uh, on coverage, did a bunch of Twitch chatting with your mom because she was in the Twitch chat the whole weekend just rooting for you, which was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. She's coming to visit me soon. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, I guess for me, closing thoughts is I, uh, a lot of people said so many nice things to me over the weekend, even like before the event was over, but especially after the event, but lots of compliments, lots of nice things about the podcast. And it just like, it was really cool getting all that positive feedback. And I don't have like a super speech or anything, but like Flesh and Blood's definitely like obviously changed my life for the better. And I've met so many amazing people playing this game and being part of the community. And I just feel very fortunate to be, well, the champion and also having found such an amazing community and game. And I just feel really great, I guess. <laughs> really fortunate. So... You're welcome that I offered to buy you some boxes and learn how to play with you. So, <laughs> yes. I I also love that your tweet on uh, the Manor podcast. Yeah, as soon as Twitter. you won, I, 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 sc- I had to scroll up over a year in our Discord. We sent a lot of messages to each other, but <laughs> I had to sc- I spent a long time scrolling <laughs> and I found it and I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. If you haven't checked out the Manor podcast Twitter, check us out. There's some good tweets on there. It's a real cute uh, leak of our dms from over a year ago and we were first yeah. stopped starting flesh and blood I, we'll see if i leak the true dms where you say all the horrible things about everybody in the community but i think i'll keep those under wrap for now I don't, don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's right they don't exist you're right my bad <laughs> i'm trying to think what the worst thing i've said about any part of the community was and i'm like oh, i, I can't like think of anything because like, you've never said anything bad yeah like, like, why are you adding the wink wink <laughs> i don't know wink do you tell me wink okay well i'm ready to wrap things up if you are yeah sounds good to me so next time you're playing flesh and blood everybody remember mind your manners thanks for listening 